we all learn by songs. Would you agree? How many of you ever learned something through a song? Everybody. Okay. Not everybody's raising your hand, and I'm going to prove you all liars because we're going to sing a song together that all of us know. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to be watching people, and if you don't sing the song, I'm going to straight up call you out. I'm looking at you. Don't look at your mom because she's not going to save you. I'm going to watch you. And if you don't sing, you're coming on stage and doing a solo. We have a Britney Spears song queued up. Now, it's an easy song because everybody now, and, and we learned this song. I don't care where you're from, you learn the song. If, you, if you're in the United States or I don't care what, what, what you know, Indiana, Illinois, Alaska, Hawaii, you know this song. You learned this song, and this song has shaped your life until this day. It'll shape your life for the rest of your life. It's one of the most important songs you ever learned, and I want you to sing it with me. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, and Y, and Z. Now I know my ABCs. Won't you come and sing with me? You didn't sing. No, she did. She did. Isn't, that, isn't it incredible how you learned that song when you were two, three, four years old and it, and it sticks with you and you can remember it? Well, this is how I learned how to memorize certain things in the Bible. I'm, I, I would make up songs or I would hear songs about them. Now, we're in a series. We're finishing up a series today on the Holy Spirit. And I thought it was appropriate to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Now, this is not the fruits of the Spirit. It is the fruit. Like, it's not Walmarts. If somebody says Walmarts, they are like, it's a, it's, they're redneck, okay? They're just flat out redneck. It's one mart, Walmart, okay? These are the fruit of the Spirit. There's nine of them, but it's fruit of the Spirit. And they are love, look, I'm going to close my eyes. I'm not looking at anything. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Are you impressed? You should be because I made a 790 on my SAT. I'm dumb as a rock. Here's how I remembered it. I remembered it through a song that I'm going to teach you today. I want you to learn this song. And for some of you, this is all you're going to get out of church today. But if it's all you get, that'll be great because it's a great song and you can learn how to sing it. And um, I'm watching you. You going to learn the song? You going to sing it with me? Okay, it's real easy. The words are right here. You watching? <laughs> She's never going to sit in the front row again. I'm friends with her, by the way. Here we go. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the part that will change your life. Yum, 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 yum. 
Yummy, yummy, yum, yum, yum. Now, you think you can sing that? It's got a country feel, doesn't it? Like Conway Twitty. If you don't know Conway Twitty, you don't know country, all right? <laughs> Hello, darling. All right. Some of you didn't get that. It's fine. Here we go. I want you to sing it with me. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. She's singing. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Yum, 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 yum. Yummy, yum, 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 yum. And it's all because your mama don't dance and your daddy don't rock and roll. Okay, I'm going to quit. I just get on a roll sometimes. That song is true. We're from a Baptist background, and my mama did not dance and my dad did not rock and roll. That's actually not true. That's how I was born. They were both doing that. Anyway, this is, this is the fruit of the Spirit. And, and the way I learned that, the fruit of the Spirit, is, is from the song. Now, here's what's crazy. Here's what's crazy. And this is what it took me years and years and years to learn. That if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, the, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you at the moment of salvation. And so when he comes to live inside of you, you already have these inside of you. Because if the Holy Spirit lives in you, and this is the fruit of the Spirit, then you have these inside of you. Now, that doesn't mean they're always prevalent. Sometimes we need to pray for these to be manifest inside of us. But at the end of the day, these are things that we have inside of us. And so what I want to do is I want to take the time and go through each one. Um, I'll have you out of here about 2 or 3 o'clock, and, 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 but you'll never forget it. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'll get you out of here on time. I want to go through each one and show how these practically play out in our life. Here we go. The first one, love. Love. Now, all of us, all of us have to agree on this next statement. There are some people in this world that are nearly impossible to love. Agree or disagree? Agree or disagree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're about to spend time with them over Thanksgiving, Christmas. We call them relatives. These are the people, you've heard me say it before, that we would not hang out with were we not blood-related. Some of us are wondering... How did we get blood related to these people, all right? But it's difficult to love some people. In fact, I think in the world of social media, it's even more difficult to love certain people because I've never seen the divide that I've seen in our country. One of the things that's really difficult is to love somebody that thinks differently than us, that acts differently than us, that pulls for a different team or has a different political preference. It's difficult to love certain people. But... For me, I don't know about you, the person that I have the most difficult time loving is actually in this room. It's me. It's the person that I see in the mirror every morning. I have a difficult time loving me because I know everything about me. And if you knew everything about me, you wouldn't be here this morning which is okay, because if I knew everything about you, I wouldn't want you here either. So, so we have something in common, right? I started thinking about this. I started thinking about this. So no matter where you stand politically, whether you voted for Biden or whether you voted for Trump, let's admit that both men 
have had their lives put through the ringer in this election cycle. Like, people were finding dirt on each candidate and bringing it up. Would you agree? And they were, they were going back and finding stuff from 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago <laughs> with both of these men, 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago that happened, like when they were on the Mayflower coming over to America, they found things that both of these men had said and done and broadcast it to the world. Now, let me ask you this question. What if somebody sat down, interviewed you, found out the two or three worst things about your life, things that you maybe have never even told other people, and then said, we're going to broadcast that every day next week for uh, every day ne next week for like two or three hours every day? How many people would be excited about the worst thing about you being broadcast to the world? No. No. We would like get rid of our televisions. We'd get rid of our smartphones. We don't want to see that. But the problem is... That most of us, while other people don't know the worst things about us, we know the worst things about us. And for many of us, if we're not careful, we can get that going on a loop over and over and over again in our minds. And when that happens, we begin to believe that it is impossible for God to love us. I don't have a hard time believing God can love you. I don't struggle with that. I have a hard time believing that God can love me because I see how short I fall. Not just most days, pretty much every day, right? But, and this is the trap I used to get into thinking, well, one of these days when I stop doing this and I start doing that, I'll be good. One of these days when I watch less Netflix and I read more Bible, I'll, I'll be doing good. One of these days when I stop doing that and I start doing this, I, and I, I started thinking about, well, one of these days in the future, Maybe, maybe one day I'll be good enough for God to love me. And then I began to realize that this next statement is so true. In fact, you've heard me say it before. I'll say it until the day that Jesus takes me home. That God is not in love with some future version of you. That God loves you right now, today, just the way you are. He's not in love with the future you. He's in love with you today. And what his love for us does, it is, it, his love allows us to change. He doesn't say, get here and I'll love you. He says, I love you, so now you can get here. It's a very different philosophy. And so for those wrestling with God, with the thought or the idea of God loving you, just learn to pray that prayer that I've said so many times before. I'll say it again. Just learn how to pray, God, teach me to see you. As te or teach me to see me as you see me. That's how he works. That's how he operates. He'll show us that he actually loves us just the way we are. Which leads to the next thing, joy. Now, let's be honest. There's some people that they project joy, but it's not joy. I don't know what it is. It's fake. It's crack. I, I don't, but you, you know what I'm talking about when you meet those people, you're like, Hey, um, so how's it going? Oh my gosh, it's so good. The joy of the Lord is my strength, and I'm happy to be here. And you go, oh, we're going we're gonna to have to dial down the caffeine. We're going to have to dial down the crack. We're going to have to dial down everything. Because they, they're just, I've, you've met those people, they're kind of over the top. They, they overdo it. They just overdo it. But then there's some people that you meet that they have this in their life, and you can't explain it. For example, about this time last year, on a Sunday at a 10 o'clock service, I walked in and I was having a pity party day. You ever thrown a pity party for yourself and 
Yeah, anybody ever done that? And you just get mad when other people don't show up to your pity party. Yeah, I need you to feel sorry for me so I can validate my sinfulness. Anyway, so I'm having a bad day. I'm sitting right up here. It's 10 o'clock service, and I'm just like in this pity party. And look, right here in this chair, right here in this chair, right here in this chair, and there's a woman named Karen Countryman. And she's got both hands in the air, like worshiping like crazy, and a smile on her face that just radiated the room. Now, here's the reason I bring that up. I can't even remember what my pity party was about. But at the time, she had terminal brain cancer and had been told she had less than a year to live. And I remember standing there looking at her going, I want that. You know what that is? That's joy. It's not happiness. Happiness is based on circumstances. Joy is based on who Jesus is. Circumstances change. Who Jesus is does not. And I remember sitting there. I've never forgot it. In fact, I preached Karen's funeral about a month ago. And I told that story. I'll never forget it. Because Nehemiah, in the book of Nehemiah, there's a verse that says, The joy of the Lord is my strength. And I saw it that day. And I said, I want that. Where when somebody tells me, you know what, you got less than a year to live, I go, I get to see Jesus in less than a year. Praise God. Rather than God, how could you do this to me? I want that. I'm not even sure I'm there yet, but I've seen it, and I want it. Love, joy, peace. Have, have y'all noticed that we lack this in America today? Okay, this is, a, this is po as political as I'm going to get. Y'all ready for it? Because I got a note a couple weeks ago in the offering bucket that I need to be more political. They also told me what I should say. I'm not going to say that. Some people are excited about the next four years of our country. Some people are nervous about the next four years of our country. I got peace. How could you say that? With the Okay, let me. The New Testament, where it talks about pray for your government leaders, Pray for your government leaders and obey the laws. That, that whole part of the New Testament. It was written not when there was a republic in place and not when there was a democracy in place, but when there was a dictator in place in Rome who thought he was God. And during that political climate, for 350 years, Christianity thrived and reached half of the known world with no technology, no smartphones, no internet, just taking Jesus at his word and loving one another. So I think if Christians would focus less on the White House and more on the church house, we would have more peace in our lives and we would be able to make the lasting change in the world that government can never bring about. Well, has to be government can change laws that make a difference. Really? How many of you obeyed the speed limit on the way to church today? <laughs> Listen to me. Listen to me. You can't legislate morality. 
You can't pass a law that changes the heart. But Jesus can change the heart. That's where my peace comes from. That's about as political as I'm going to get. Isn't that fun? I woke up one morning. Now, when I, when I go to bed at night, I cut my phone off. And uh, people go, what if there's an emergency? <laughs> I'll figure, I'll find out the next morning. Because I, I want to sleep. I love sleep. Sleep is awesome. But I woke up one morning, and I had 10 text messages on my phone. Now, in my line of work, when you have 10 text messages, that's never a good thing. And as I started reading them, they all said the same thing. Are you okay? Which, which for me, I got to start unpacking certain things. Like, hey, okay, I didn't drink last night. Um, I didn't, like, I took an Ambien. Did, I'm like, what did I say? Did I do a video that I need to take down? Like, like I, I'm, there's all kinds of things that I'm walking through. And, and I looked, and there was a common theme on this thread. There had been a tornado that had hit near my house. I slept right through it. I was mad because I love thunderstorms. And uh, people go, oh, my gosh, there's a tornado. Run and get in your bathtub. The only reason they want you in the bathtub is they know where to find the dead body. That's why they want you in the bathtub. Like, because nobody has ever said, I was in the tornado and it was coming. I hopped in the bathtub and I was okay. Everything else just went to, like hell in a handbasket and I was fine. Like nobody ever has said that on the news, right? And so, so everybody's asking me, am I okay? I slept in the through a tornado because I've got a box fan next to my bed that is so loud. It, it, it sounds like a jet engine, but you know what? I sleep great. Now, the box fan did not prevent the tornado from coming, but it allowed me to sleep through the tornado. That's what the peace of God will do for our lives. The peace of God does not prevent the storm from coming. The peace of God allows us to have the peace during the storm, because sometimes God will calm the storm, other times he will calm us, but either way, the peace of God is promised to us no matter how crazy the storms get. So I'm just telling you, for us, the peace of God is like the box fan next to my bed that night. It didn't stop the tornado, but it, did, it allowed me to sleep through the whole thing. That's what the peace of God can do for us. That's why I've got so much peace about the next four years. That's why i got so much peace. Clemson. Still win the national championship. Amen. I struggle with this. I, I don't pray for this a lot. Because what I've discovered is God will put you in situations where you need it. Right? I was praying for this. I was like, God, I'm going to need more patience. And I was on my way to have lunch with Philip. Hit every red light on the way. Every <laughs> Red light, every red light, except the one red light that was green, but there was a woman in a Kia. <laughs> woman in a Kia. And she was, she, was, she was doing this, texting on her phone at a green light. Now, I felt like I should help her because <laughs> I have a truck. I could have just pushed her along, right? But so I wrote something down about patience, and I got to look it up because if I don't, I'll forget it. And you think, um, yeah, that's what it is. Patience, patience is not just putting up with stuff. Patience is, a, is walking in faith, knowing that God's going to bring about his will in his time. It might not be our time, 
but it'll be his time. I was having a conversation with a gentleman not too long ago, and he said, I want to thank you for inviting me to church. And I said, well, you're welcome. He said, no, 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 I did the math. He said, you invited me to church over 700 times. And I was like, ah, he might be ever doing his wife sitting next to him. And she said, no, you did. We did the math. Now, here's what's crazy. After about the fourth time when he didn't come, I wanted to give up. I did. I told him that. I was like, I wanted to give up because I would be like, hey, you're going to come to church. And he got to the point where he lied to me. just, Yeah, yeah, I'll be there this Sunday. Never showed up. I remember one day he was like, I almost came. I was like, yeah, I'm going to almost pay my rent this month and see how that goes. I didn't say that because I'm not 50 yet. But once I get 50, I'm going to say it. So, I, and he thanked me, though. He said, because you didn't give up on me, he eventually came to church, received Christ, his wife received Christ, all three of his kids received Christ. But listen, that's not because I'm a great person. There, there were so many times I was so discouraged. I wanted to give up on this man. But the fruit of the Spirit, the patience of God would not let me give up. And it's a reminder that God doesn't give up on us either. That, that as persistent as I was, God is even more so persistent with us, which leads to this thing called kindness. Now, I'm a kind person most of the time. Unless a couple things happen. Number one, we go to a restaurant and you don't know what you want to eat. We've talked about this before, especially like a restaurant that hadn't changed their menu in 478 years. Chick-fil-A. We're at Chick-fil-A. What do you want to eat? Uh. <laughs> That's a, anybody else bothered by this besides me? Okay. So the other night, I go, I go to dinner with a friend. We kind of sit down. Waitress walks up. She's like, what can I get you to drink? Now, I love to look like crack some jokes. I'm like, water on the rocks with a lime. And she looked at me. She had a little pad and she took her pen and she's right. I'm like, you're writing this down for real? No, I didn't say that because I'm not 50, but I'm 49 and a half. So I had to hold that in. And she's writing it down. That's my friend, water with a lemon. Water with a lemon. Would you guys like any appetizers? Now, at this point, I'm scared. So I was like, fried cheese. Kindness is not in my heart at this point because I'm hangry. So she leaves, and she's gone for 10 minutes. You say, Peter, you're exaggerating. No, because I looked at my watch when she walked away, and I'm clocking her. Seven minutes in, I'm ready to get up and go talk to the manager. I'm, 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 I'm upset because I'm hangry. She comes back with, with the tray. She sits the drinks down. She sits the fried cheese stuff down. And before she walks away, she looks at me, and she said, I am so sorry. She said, this is my first server's job, and it's my second night on the job. Now, let me tell you how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit does not go, hey, idiot, be kind. Now, he might do that for you, but this is how you know it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't yell. He kind of works like this. <clears throat> That's what I got. 
she because when she set the drinks down i wanted to go did you have to go dig a well to find this water like what like what gives like what gives like in my heart that's what i wanted to say i'm just revealing i'm not a really godly man right but when the holy spirit does the <clears throat> thing i was like you know what it's, it's okay it's good i said you know we're gonna be your favorite table tonight we're just take your time Take care of us. We're going to be all good. And, and we were. We were her favorite table. She came. She brought the bill. I opened it up. God said, leave her a big tip. You leave her a big tip. <laughs> he said, I'm going to. All you have is mine anyway, so just leave it. I won't get it one way or another, so you, may, you better give it to her. So I left her a big tip. But it, that was not me. That was the Holy Spirit in me. Because... Me on my own, I'm complaining, I'm fussing, I'm yelling. But because the Holy Spirit lives in me, and, and I don't always get it right. In that moment, I like to tell y'all every once in a while I go and I get it right because I always tell y'all when I get it wrong. In that moment, the kindness of God allowed me to get it right. That, that kindness is in all of us. Remember that today when you're driving home with somebody in the passenger seat that feels like they should be driving. And they're trying to give you directions. Hypothetically, I might have heard a story or two. Goodness. Goodness. Goodness and good news. Goodness and good news. Goodness and good news. And I heard a preacher joke the other day. I've, I've used it in the other two services. A preacher joke is one that you can tell your children when you leave. All right? And, and this, some of you, this will be the cleanest joke you've ever heard me tell. Um, a guy got a call from his doctor. And his doctor said, I have bad news and worse news. He was like, dear God, normally it's good news and bad news. He goes, I know, but I got bad news and worse news. He said, well, tell me the worst news first. He goes, oh, I need to tell you the bad news first. He said, okay. He said, the bad news is you have 24 hours to live. And he's like, dear God, well, what's the worst news? He's like, well, I was supposed to call you and tell you this yesterday. Um, that's, <laughs> see, you can, tell that to your, you can tell that to your kids. Pastor P told me that joke. It's probably the only one you can tell. But I feel like. When I heard that joke, I laughed, but I feel like that's the message we get in church a lot. It's, it's the bad news and the worst news. And we get told, you're a bad person, like, you, you're a pathetic person. In fact, this is the news that we've been told in church all of our life, that the definition of a Christian is a sinner saved by grace. It's a horrible definition. It's awful. If you're a Christian, you're not a sinner saved by grace. Yes, I am. No, you're not. A sinner is who you used to be, but now you're a child of God. There's a difference. Because if you always identify yourself with who you used to be, you'll always go back and do what you used to do. I was a sinner. I was saved by grace. But now I'm a child of God. There's a difference because, see, that's, that's good news. If I always identify myself with who I used to be, there will never be anything good to come out of me. But if I allow Jesus to identify me rather than who I used to be, well, that's, that's life-changing. Now, some of you aren't going to agree with that. Theologically, you have a problem with that. It's fine. Shoot me an email this week. I have plenty of time. Cole.Farlow <laughs> at MySecondChanceChurch.com. He would love to debate you theologically on anything that you disagree with from this stage because he's just a good guy, all right? Goodness, faithfulness. 
Facebook, I, um, when I went to treatment back in July, August of 2016, and I got out of treatment, here, here's what's crazy about hitting rock bottom in life. You find out who your friends are. I've got a friend that the day I got home from treatment, he called me. He gave me a call. How you doing? I'm good. Drink today? Nope. Second day, he called me. How you doing? I'm, I'm good. You know, we talked for a few minutes. Hey, do you have anything to drink today? Nope. Third day, he called me. And, and this, by, by the way, let me put, if this guy's a pastor in the Midwest. His church is one of the largest churches in America. He's got a thousand other things to do. Third day, he calls me. Hey, man, how you doing? Mm. Not good. Did you drink today? Yep. Yeah, I still love you. He called me every day for six months. Every day. He still calls me once a week. He'll probably call me in the morning or on Tuesday morning just to see how I'm doing. And through that persistence, God showed me his faithfulness. Through him being faithful, I saw Jesus. And through us being faithful in our relationship with God and our relationship with others, other people will see Jesus. Which leads to the next last one, gentleness. I wish, you know how you have ideas for, for like TV shows? Um, you could do a reality show with me and some of the conversations that I have on Sundays. It would fascinate you. Most of them, 95% of the conversations I have are incredibly, incredibly, incredibly encouraging. 4% are weird. 1% are weird as hell. All right, that's, the, that's just the way it goes. So I'm standing right outside these doors on a one Sunday. And normally I love the kids like, hey, what do you, are the question is like, hey, what do you have for kids? What do you have for students? Um, uh, what kind of music do you like? All this other stuff. God walks up to me and goes, got one question for you, preacher. Shoot. What do y'all do about church discipline around here? Well, first of all, if that's your first question, you're probably not going to make it here. Like this, pro we're probably not going to be for you. Yeah, but 1 Timothy 3 and Titus, yeah, I know 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1, all that stuff. How do we approach church, church discipline? Um, kind of like the father and the prodigal son. Like when we see a prodigal come home, we don't feel like they need lecture. We feel like they need love. And so we just hug them and throw a party. That's, that's gentleness. Because this is what I feel. Because I've heard this before, and you've heard this too. Love the sinner, hate the sin. You know the only problem with that is oftentimes we focus more on hating the sin, and eventually hating the sin always leads to hating the sinner. So instead of love the sinner, hate the sin, we just go love the person and let Jesus work out the rest in his time. Well, sometimes you're going to have tough conversations. Yeah, if you have a relationship and Jesus leads you to do that, I'm all for it. But at the end of the day, what if we were known for our gentleness rather than our condemnation?
I think that could change the world, which means most Christians would have to shut down their Facebook accounts. Last but not least, self-control. I went to treatment in July of 2016, as I mentioned earlier, and they diagnosed me three days in. They sat me down. They said, you're not an alcoholic. I said, well, what am I doing here then? They said, you have PTSD. And it, they connected it all the way back to something that happened to me when I was, well, I was molested when I was like five years old. And they walked me through how trauma had affected my life and how all my life I had turned to other things to medicate the pain that was happening inside of me. Now, I've had three major addiction issues in my life. Um, the first one was to, to food. I was obese. And when I said I wasn't big, I was obese. And obesity, by the way, is one, of the number, is one of the number one killers in the world. You know how they have the COVID counter on most of the news networks, the number of deaths related to COVID? If they replaced that with obesity, it would freak the world out because the numbers are significantly more. I had that problem. I've been very open throughout my whole ministry that in high school and college and a few years after, I had a problem with pornography. Like I was addicted to pornography. And then as just about everybody knows, I had an addiction issue with alcohol. Where it wasn't like I would like to have a glass of wine with my steak. It was like I would, I would like to have two bottles of wine so I can sleep. It was, it was a problem. But today, by God's grace, I do not struggle with medicating with food. And I do not struggle with medicating with porn. And I do not struggle with medicating with alcohol. And it's not because I'm a strong person. It's because the Holy Spirit of God over time filled me with self-control where I was able to overcome those addictions, where I'm still learning how to overcome anxiety, where I've learned to overcome depression, where I've learned to overcome worry. Listen, it's not because I'm a strong person, because I'm not. I'm not. It's the Holy Spirit of God in me allowing me to have the self-control, sometimes just to make it through one more day. And the same Holy Spirit of God that, was, that is at work in me, if you're a Christian, he'll do the same for you. Probably even greater things. It's just a daily surrender. Jesus, today, have your way. Jesus, today, have your way. Jesus today. And sometimes it's two steps forward, one step back. Sometimes it's three steps forward and four steps back. But eventually, we will always get to the place he wants us to go if we just say, God, today, have your way in me. This is what the Holy Spirit can and will do in our lives through the process of daily surrender. So my question to you is, what chain or what chains do you need broken in your life? And would you be open to just saying, Jesus, today, through the power of your Holy Spirit, enable me to blank? Would you be willing to say that? Would you stand with me right now in prayer? Father, 
thank you so much. There is so much power in your name. There is so much power to literally break every chain of worry, fear, addiction, depression, anxiety, doubt. God, we, those chains can be broken in your name and your fruit can be manifest in our lives. So Father, I pray right now that whatever chain that we brought in, God, we would lay it at your feet and know, Jesus, there is power in your name. There is power in your name. There is power in your name to break everything. Thank you, Jesus, as your children. We are not called to walk in bondage, but we are allowed to walk in freedom by the power of your Holy Spirit. And I pray for each and every single person here today, God, that we feel weighted by worry and chained to something that you, it's just not your best for us. Right now with heads bowed or eyes closed, whatever you feel chained to, whatever you feel held back by, just surrender that right where you stand in Jesus. Just say, Jesus, help me to get past blank. Help me to get past this in my life. And for those that are here that you've never prayed to receive Christ, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, as soon as you pray to receive Christ, He comes into your life and gives us the power to overcome the things that we've never been able to overcome on our own. So if you're here today and you know you need to receive Jesus, then right where you stand, right now, or if you're watching online, I want you to pray in your heart. I want you to pray, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sin. And right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. I surrender all in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're in this room and you just prayed to receive Christ, you just prayed, I want you to put your hand in the air because I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you. I want to celebrate with you. If you're online, do the hand raise emoji no matter what platform you're watching on because we want to pray with you or for you. Father, thank you so much for these hands. Thank you so much that you love us. Thank you so much that you're changing lives. Thank you so much for the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Thank you, Jesus, that even though we might not be where we need to be, we're not where we could have been all because of your grace. Thank you, Jesus, for the freedom that you give us. In your name we pray. Everybody that agreed said amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Because I'm glad you came to church today. We'll see you guys next Sunday. Have an awesome week. God bless. We love y'all.